my friend, you have found the Functioning Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Murray, life coach and author. I started this show to share life lessons and hot mess moments along with a few shenanigans to let you know you're not alone in this roller coaster of life. Each week, you'll get a solo episode or an interview to help you improve your self-confidence, create healthy relationships, or become a better parent. If you love what you hear, hit subscribe and I'll automatically show up in your downloads each and every week. All right, let's get on with the show. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest on the show today. Rachel Burns is a certified financial planner and certified divorce financial analyst, and she's based in California. She is the founder of True Worth Financial Planning, and she helps newly single women get their finances on track after a divorce or the death of a spouse. So through her own personal experience navigating trauma and finances, she found her calling. And her calling is to support and empower other women during the most challenging transitions of their lives. This is near and dear to my heart. I know you guys are going to love this conversation. We talk about ideas and strategies, where to start, where to go, when to reach out for help. We have a lot of good stuff in here. And Rachel is really well known. She has been featured in national publications, including CNN Business, Real Simple, and Policy Genius. So I'm really, really excited to bring this conversation to you today. I hope that you will reach out to her. She is going to share a little bit about what she does and what she has to offer, but definitely check her out at her website. We're going to go into that and just just do me a favor. When you listen to this episode, be really present. Be 100% engaged because you're going to hear some stuff that's going to be very valuable to you right now and in the future. And one of the things that we talked about is that the financial situation that you're in right now isn't where you have to be. So I cannot wait for you to hear this. So with that, let's dive in. Well, Rachel, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the Functioning Hot Mess podcast. I'm so excited to get to meet you and visit with you and share what you have to share with the audience. I know our listeners are really going to love this topic and they're going to love you and what you do. So to get things started, tell us a little bit about you and just who you are, how you got into this world. Sure. So um, I am a I'm a financial planner. I'm a certified financial planner and certified divorce financial analyst. And I have a, my own firm called True Worth Financial Planning, and I help newly single women get their finances back on track either after a divorce or the death of a spouse. And I have had I've been doing this for the last two years. And before that, I was a financial advisor in what I would call the traditional wealth management world, which is where you know I worked for a big, big company. We did things in a very corporate way. It was just a very different experience. I, I kind of worked with people who met an, a certain account minimum, but that was kind of the only thing that differentiated them. I, I kind of worked with everyone. But what was really wonderful about going out on my own was that I was able to be specific about who I worked with and who I helped. So I was in the business for a long time. I've been around for maybe 12 or 13 years and you know, got into this business right out of college. I knew that that was my interest. I always loved finance. I always loved numbers and math and spreadsheets and knew that that's what I wanted to get into once I got out of college and got into it pretty quickly. Um, so it was a very it was a pretty linear path for me. But when I got into it, I realized just how much I enjoyed working with women in transition. So I worked with a lot of widows. I worked with a lot of divorcees. Just We just came across a lot of those. And I always got the most 
satisfaction from working from them. I felt like I did the best work for them. I felt like I could provide the most help for someone in that situation. So I always loved doing that. I was always passionate about helping women in transition. So when I had the opportunity to go out and work for myself, I knew that that was, that was what I was meant to do. And that's been uh, the be- the best decision really that I've ever made was was going out on my own and and choosing to only work with with women in transition. So, do you take clients who are not in transition as well, who haven't had been going through that, or do you primarily specialize with transition? So, I have some legacy clients from my previous life <laughs> that are mm-hmm. not don't fit that mold, and and that I'll I'll keep those clients forever because they're they're my special people that I couldn't I could never part with but going forward I'm only working with women sometimes I work with women who are just single who haven't gotten divorced or lost a spouse I work with married couples every once in a while but for the most part it's single women and most of the single women are newly single so it's not I'm not like super strict but for the most part that's pretty much all I work with these days I feel like that is such an important time in all of our lives when we are either newly single for whatever reason. It is, it's terrifying. And the financial aspect is part of, or maybe even one of the most terrifying pieces of that. What do you find is common in, do you hear like common fears or common concerns among that group of women? I hear so often them saying, when I was married, I was not involved in the day-to-day financial management stuff. I, you know, I don't know what's going on. I I'm not financially savvy. I don't know what I'm doing now on my own. And they're really, really concerned about their ability to manage their own finances because they feel like they can't because they haven't been doing it for so long. And I always remind them, just because you you chose to delegate that to your spouse or to your partner. That's a normal thing that happens in relationships. I am in charge of the grocery shopping, not because I'm a girl, but because I love grocery shopping. My husband, (laughs) he's in charge of taking out the trash. And that's just the natural order that we've come up with. It's not because I'm not capable of doing what he does or he's not capable, but that happens in a relationship. And so someone often is in charge of the finances and the person that's not can get a little rusty. And that's totally understandable. That doesn't mean that you're not good with money. It doesn't mean that you're not capable. It just means you haven't had to do it for a while. So now you just have to like kind of relearn some things, but that's not, it's totally doable. Mm -hmm. That's probably the most common thing that I hear from women who are find themselves single unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Do you see a difference between someone who maybe got divorced or is fearful of getting divorced and having to deal with the financial piece or someone who maybe unexpectedly, you know, is now a widow or lost a spouse. To me, it seems like there might be a little bit of a different dynamic in there, but is there? Similar themes in that I haven't done this in a long time and I don't know if I'm capable. Those two are are very similar. In a divorce, sometimes I see a situation where their spouse has intentionally left them out of the financial management stuff and has intentionally left them in the dark a little bit. And so then, and, and sometimes women will have a spouse that's telling them, oh, you you can't handle this or you're, you're no good with money. Let me handle this. There's some extra baggage in certain situations like that, that maybe with widows, that's not always the case. But for the most part, it's a, it's a very similar problem. Just the, the lack of experience and 
the lack of confidence doing it on their own going forward when it comes to managing the finances. And it seems like this role that you would play in that in their lives would be really critical because I'm picturing, you know, not only are they coming to you saying, you know, help me figure this financial stuff out, but they're also, especially in that new transition, like you're specializing in, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of, there's a lot in either of those situations that's probably coming up for them. So to be able to have someone saying, I'm here, I've got you, I can help you with this part has to be really helpful and empowering to them to be able to learn those techniques and skills. Yeah, you know, we only have so much mental and emotional bandwidth. And when you're going through a really traumatic event, like a divorce or the death of a spouse, that is already taking up a lot of your mental capacity. And so you're already kind of almost impaired because you're under so much stress and you can you already have so much on your plate and to have something like your finances dropped on your lap which is a it's a big thing it's an important thing it can be a scary thing it's something that has to be addressed it's just it's like not an ideal time to be tackling this big new thing and so it's just extra overwhelming and so i really feel for people who are already in this state of stress or grief, and they're dealing with all these emotions, but then they also have to use their brains for some sort of task that is new to them. And it's just so much. And that's why I encourage people get some help because it doesn't have to be you don't have to take that all on your own. There are so many different professionals out there, not just financial people, but there's all sorts of people that you can bring in to help you in that situation. You can bring in on your team that can just make that transition so much easier for you. I love that. And if that is the only thing people take away, I think that is amazing because so many times as women, we think we have to do it all. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we do that. There's probably a lot of reasons, but we forget that we can actually ask for help and that this is one more area where we can. And it's not, it's not a weakness to not know where you are. It's perfectly fine to say, this is where I'm at in my life. This is where I need help. And then reach out for an ally and get that help. So what would, let's just say that, you know, someone has zero experience managing their own finances. How do they even get started? So I think the first thing to do is to figure out what's the best way for you to learn new information. Are you someone who likes to read? Are you someone who needs to have someone sit with you and explain it to you? Are you someone that likes to listen to podcasts? Figure out what's your learning style and what's the best way that you're going to take on learning this new concept that you're trying to master here. And once you figure that out, you just have to find the resources that are available for you. And there's so much out there. There's so much free content, free resources that you can learn a little bit at a time. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to sit down and read a giant textbook and, you know, master some giant concept. You can take little steps at a time, just learning little pieces as you go, find some podcasts that you like, find some websites, like some blog posts or whatever you're into. Just start, just open your mind to learning these new things and just start taking in a little bit at a time. I think that's the best way to start learning. And then at the same time, well, another thing you have to do is you need to, you need to reassess your situation. 
And that can be a really hard thing to do. It's sometimes people don't want to face their finances, especially after going through something like a divorce or, you know, losing a spouse. Sometimes you don't even want to know where you stand, but you really, you need to have that information in order to move forward. You need to know where you are currently and you need to fully understand all the details of your situation. So just spending some time to go through and make a list of everything that you own everything that you owe, all of your insurance policies, just get a just start making a list and just getting a grasp on where you are. And at that point it might be a good time to get some help from someone if you really want if you need help organizing that information cuz that can be really overwhelming. I think that's overwhelming for anyone cuz we have complicated financial lives, but it's a, that's a really important step um, is to just know where you're starting from and really understand where you stand. I think that's that's a good place to start. And I think there sometimes needs to be a little bit of a mindset shift around like because with what you just said, even gathering up everything and how that can feel overwhelming, it doesn't all have to be done right now today. Yes. And giving yourself permission to spend, you know, 10 minutes a day on it. If that's all you do while you're gathering that, it will get done. Yeah. So you can break it down if that's overwhelming. Absolutely. Because this is going to be mentally taxing. So you need to look at this as a marathon and not a sprint. And you need to figure out, okay, in order for me to do this without driving myself insane or without boring myself to death or whatever, like how much time can I reasonably spend on this each day? And maybe each day while I'm drinking my coffee, I'm going to log into my various bank accounts and write down, you know, the balances that I have in these. And then the next day I'm going to kind of do the same thing. So However, you need to break it up so that it's manageable. That's totally up to you. You don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to learn everything you need to know at once. This is going to take some time. So, you know, don't feel like you're letting yourself down if you don't have this all figured out within a month, because this is a big, it's a big undertaking. Mm -hmm. Do you have daily habits or tips that you would recommend? Like, for example, sitting down with your coffee and checking your bank balance. Would you recommend people do that daily or weekly? What are your thoughts on that? So it it depends. So if you're looking at the balances in like your 401k or any retirement accounts or any investment accounts, I definitely don't encourage looking at the balance on a day-to-day basis because it'll just stress you out. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and with investments, that's a long-term strategy generally. So with that, that has a different schedule. I would, I would be checking on that. But I think that looking at your activity, especially if budgeting is a concern or an issue or something that you want to be kind of keeping a close eye on, just going through and looking at your debit card activity. You don't have to do it every day. It can be once a week even, but that's a really good way to just remind yourself of bills that you're paying or things that you bought that were unexpected. It's just a good way to stay in touch with your spending. And also you want to make sure that there's not some sort of mistake. A lot of times you can see, you know, a bill might be double paid or maybe that someone got an amount wrong or, you know, you want to keep track of it so that you make sure that there's no mistakes being made too. But that's something that I would say would be good to be done, you know, make a habit of it and do it regularly. And that does not take time at all. You can literally do that in the time it takes you to have a cup of coffee. And that'll just make you feel so much more in touch with your spending. I know for me, um, I got divorced quite a few years ago and that was 
the terrifying part was actually looking at my bank statement or my balance. And I remember logging into my app on my phone and I had so much anxiety and dread and just, I didn't know what I was going to see. And so that was one of my practices was logging into it daily because number one, I wanted to get past that. Cause a lot of times I'd log in and go, Oh, I'm actually okay. This yeah. isn't as bad as I thought, but it was just, if I waited too long in between, I was surprised something came up unexpectedly or came out without, you know, it was an automatic withdrawal or something. It really helped me get more in touch with what I was actually spending and then making better choices or canceling a subscription or something. Yeah. But I will tell you that was really, really hard to do. It was like that. I had to do it in the morning before my willpower was gone and it was terrifying. Yeah, no, that that can be, but it's something that if you put that off, there might be some issue that starts off small that can grow to something so much larger. So if you keep on top of it and you address it early, it's just so much easier to deal with whatever comes up. It's just, I know it's scary, but you just have to, Mm -hmm. you have to look in the mirror, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah. But it did get less scary the more like by doing it daily, because then you weren't surprised. There wasn't like a oops as much because you would see and go, okay, this is what I was going to do today. But instead it can wait till next, even if it's buying a book, you know, okay, I'm getting a little low on funds. I can, that book can wait until payday or whatever. And so that really, it was scary at first, but the more I did it, the more comfortable I got with it. So what do you do if you're just not good with money? I mean, I hear that from a lot of women where they're like, I'm just not a money girl. I'm just not good with money. What do you do? So no one is inherently good or bad with money. How good you are with money is not a permanent trait that you're born with. It's the result of how much time you've spent in it, how familiar you are with it. You can overcome being bad with money. And if you made mistakes in the past, that doesn't define you. That's not how it has to be going forward. You can learn from mistakes you've made in the past. You can learn new things. You can create new habits. No one is just bad with money and is stuck that way forever. So whenever I hear that, oh, I'm not good with money. No one's bad with money. It's just, you just need to take some time and work on it. And it's something that you will develop. It's it's uh, it's never too late for you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, and I think sometimes we carry that forward. Maybe we've heard someone, I know when I was, I was little, I was young. And I remember hearing people say that girls aren't good at math. I don't even remember where I heard it, but I mean, I was little. And so in my mind, I was like, girls aren't good with math. And yet I did really well with math. And when I went to college, um, I loved math. And I was thinking for a minute, I'm like, maybe I want to go and be a math teacher. And then I, you know, I went a different direction, but I, I loved everything. I'm, I'm a learner. I love to learn. And math was one of those things. But I remember it was an internal conflict because I was doing well. I was getting really good grades in math. I was understanding the concepts and I could whiz through it. But I'm like, but I'm a girl and I'm not supposed to be good at math. So what's wrong with me? You know, it was kind of a weird, but how that, how we pull that forward into our adult life. And then we be, you know, we get into a relationship where we're married and we assume that because this is a man or whatever that they're supposed to be good and they may not be. And so it's just like giving yourself permission to let those old beliefs go and step into or learn that skill. Yeah. 
so that you can be good at it. Yeah. And we all have baggage when it comes to money. We all have our own experiences or things that people said to us when we were young or what, you know, either things that were taught to us or things that were not taught to us. We all have our own baggage with money, but that again, that doesn't have to define you that it's not your fault. If you didn't learn about these things in school, it's not your fault. If your parents didn't feel comfortable talking about it at the dinner table, that, that none of that is your fault, but going forward, that's not an excuse to just, Oh, well, I'm just bad with money and that's how things are going to be. And I don't, I'm not going to you know try. It's your responsibility to learn those things, but no one should feel like, Oh, because of what's happened in the past, this is how my future is going to look with money. That's, that's not how you have some control over that. You have all the control over that, how it's going to look going forward. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I'm wondering is, where do we start? So we, we start researching. Are there specific phrases or keywords that we should look? Is it, and I know maybe that is just from not necessarily the 401ks and investment type things, but just where do we start? Do we start with how to budget? Like what are some key keywords to search? I would start with the most basic. I would not start by uh, researching Bitcoin or NFTs. Like that stuff is way, way, way down the line. Start with the most basic stuff. First of all, look at, do you have an emergency fund in case something happens to you? Something will happen. Something mm-hmm. happens to all of us. You need to make sure that you have a, enough cash set aside to cover those kind of unforeseen emergencies. And you have to do that before you can really do anything else. You need to do that before you can pay off your credit cards, before you can save for retirement. You need to start with the most basic foundational stuff. So start with the emergency fund and then look at your budget, you know, or is your spending in line with what you're making? Are you not, are you ending up with not enough at the end of the month? Are you, do you have excess? Are you, you know, just assessing your spending and whether you need to work on that. Um, And that's, that's not an easy thing to fix if there's an issue, like budgeting is not, it's, that's, even though it's one of the most foundational things, it's not, it's not that it's easy. It's just, you need to do that before you can worry about investing or whatever. You need to get your spending in line so that you understand your expenses and you understand your income. And that way, when you are making a plan to save for retirement or whatever other goals, you know what you're working with. You know how much income you have. You know, okay, I need to minimize certain expenses in order to free up cash for this goal that I have. So that's kind of the next step is that budgeting. And then once you have that under control and you are able to save money when you need to, then you can think about saving for specific goals and retirement. Everyone, I mean, everyone needs to do that unless you're not going to live long enough to retire or (laughs) if someone is going to pay for you, which could happen, I suppose. But um, we all need to think about saving for retirement. And then we need to think about the other goals that we have. Is it helping our kids through college? Is it buying a new house? Is it buying a new car? Think about what your goals are and what that's going to cost and what you're going to need to do in terms of saving in order to get there on on schedule when you when you want to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. And then you can start worrying about the individual investments and the types of accounts and all that stuff. That's that stuff. I think a lot of people get hung up, hung up on that because that's the more complicated part. But it's like that is don't worry about that. There's plenty of stuff to work on before you even get to that point. Mm-hmm. And is that where you would recommend people reach out for help? Or would you have them reach out for help in the very beginning? Depending on what you need help with. So some people 
really just need help with budgeting. And in that case, you don't need a certified financial planner. You don't need, I mean, you can get help with that. You can even find apps that help you do that on your own, or you can find someone who's more like a money coach that helps you kind of identify these issues in the past that lead you to, you know, it it depends on what type of help you're really needing. But once you get into the more advanced stuff, like how much do I need to save to retire? How do I invest this money? Then that's not something that you can just Google and figure it out on your own. That's something that I think it really pays to get some help from a professional so that you don't make any mistakes that end up costing you a lot of money in the long run. Just depending on what at what point in the process you feel like you're stuck, get help at whatever point that is. Even if it's every point in the process you feel stuck, then get help with all of it. I mean, you you do have to pay for help for the most part. There are pro bono advisors and there's a lot of resources available, but you will have to pay for advice and, and assistance from professionals, but you need to understand that that's an investment in your future. And by not getting the help that you need, the consequences of that can be much, much, much more expensive than mm-hmm. what it would cost to get the assistance in the in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important part to think about and also the opportunity cost of your time investment. So if I'm determined that I'm going to figure this out on my own, there's probably lots of information out there, but I would spend so much time sifting through it, finding what's good, what's aligned with me, Even just Googling that and thinking of the millions of blog posts that are going to come up feels overwhelming. I would rather pay and go to somebody who's like, oh, you don't like that? Here's this other idea. And I'm like, okay, there we go. You know, that is such a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because you do need to think about the value of your own time. If it's something that you enjoy Googling and, oh, I'm really passionate about learning about finance, then totally do that on your own and. But if that's not your thing, and if you don't have all the time in the world to spend researching stuff, then you can outsource that task and use your time for the things that you want to be doing or need to be doing. I think we all have an example of this in our own life. But when I started my own business, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my own website. I know that I don't know how to build a website at all. I, I don't know <laughs> the first thing about it, but I'm going to learn because that would be cool. And like, So I spent so, so much time. I mean, the first like six months of my business existing was spent me screwing around with this website and I did a terrible job and it looked terrible. I mean, if you thought, if you think about the cost of my hourly rate times the amount of time it took me, it was, it would have been super expensive to to think of it that way. And then I was like, oh, I I just need to pay and have a professional do this. And I was like, (laughs) in a week, I had this spectacular website and everything worked properly. And I was like, that was a big learning (laughs) experience for me. But same goes with financial stuff. Like it took me, so I, it took me, I don't know, like, I don't know. I have, I have two master's degrees in that are finance related. So you could argue that it's taken me like 20 years to (laughs) learn all the stuff that I know. Why don't you just let me do that for you? You don't want to spend 20 years learning all this stuff. Like, Right. Get like outsource, outsource everything. If it's not mm-hmm. your thing, if you could be spending your time doing something that's more valuable to you, have someone else do it who that's all they do. And they love doing that because there's people like me who love looking at financial planning stuff and love coming up with like, that's my, that's my thing. So have someone like that do it for you 
who's going to do a good job and take all this time, give you back all this time so that you don't have to like do everything on your own. Mm -hmm. And deal with the stress and trying to incorporate it, trying to learn it, trying to, it's one thing to learn it. It's a different thing to put it into practice. Yes. So if you're going to have to put it into practice anyway, let someone help you, guide you, teach you, show you whatever. And then all you're having to do is implement saving yourself all the research time. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Hey, podcast fam, this episode is brought to you by Positive Vibe Coffee Co. Get specialty grade coffee that is roasted to order and delivered fresh to your door. The beans are stuffed in the bags, still warm. It is that fresh. There are single origin organic options, blends, and even flavored seasonals. And the best part about it is that every time you open the cupboard, you'll see your bag with names like I am empowered, I am worthy, I am awesome. So you're going to get that positive vibe first thing in the morning before you're even totally awake. Make sure when you check out, you use the code podcast to get 15% off your first order. The website for that is www.positivevibecoffeeco.com. And again, remember to enter the code podcast to get 15% off your first order. And with that, let's get back to this week's episode. Do you notice, are there certain pitfalls that people fall into or um, do you have people come to you saying, you know, I have absolutely no idea where my money is going. And then are there certain areas that you find where it's a common money dump that we don't even know about? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't, everyone is so different mm-hmm. in that regard. One thing I do notice for people who say, oh my gosh, you know, I just, I just can't. I just can't get this together. Like, it, you know, it's it's just impossible to afford to live because I don't know. I just feel like a lot of the budgeting issues and the money problems are genuinely mindset issues. Mm. It's feeling like I am entitled to this lifestyle and it doesn't matter that I don't have the income to support that or it doesn't matter that I'm spending on all these things. Like I need to have these things and I'm entitled to these things. And now the the math isn't working out. And now I'm in debt. And that's just, there, there's not a, not a lot of accountability in that mm-hmm. situation. It's like, there's like a, a sense of entitlement, not a lot of accountability. And they get themselves into this situation that's not good. And they're not, you know, they're, they're getting more into debt. They're not saving for retirement. They're, they're not making progress on certain loans. And they're just like, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. But it's like, there's things that happen that are beyond our control, but there's a lot that happens that is within your control when it comes to your finances. And you, that goes for good or bad. I mean, if you get yourself into a bad situation, it might be because you did some things that led to that. I hate to break it to people, <laughs> but I'm like, well, I can show you what happened, how you got here. Yep. But same with same the other, you know, on the other side of that is you have the control and the ability to make good decisions that lead to a good outcome. You you can control that. This, it's not that these things are just happening to you. Like you are making decisions, you are taking actions that are maybe they're little incremental steps, but you are taking steps towards something and you can change the direction of that. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have you have more control than you think, which can be good or bad because that means you need to you need to be accountable mm-hmm. for your actions. So that's that's a tough discussion to have with some people. <laughs> I bet. I bet. 
You know, I think that that piece of taking ownership is one of the hardest pieces in every area of our life, not just finances, but recognizing that we are part of the problem in whatever area you're having the problem, but that's also empowering because then you're also part of the solution. Yes. And I think once we make that little shift to be like, okay, I'm in this spot, whether it's for whatever reason, I'm coming to you because I need this financial help. This is where I am. And that's okay to be there, but it's also okay to recognize, yes, I was a huge part of getting myself to this place, but I'm also going to be my solution to getting myself out of it. Yes. I love that you said that that's empowering because it, it, it should be empowering. Like, yes, I participated in these decisions. Like it doesn't have to be like, oh my gosh, I'm just look at how bad I am with money. It's like, I did this, therefore I can do something differently and I could learn from this. You, you should feel empowered. That's, that's the goal is to feel empowered with your money because that is something you can control. Mm -hmm. So with that, when I'm thinking of, you know, you are working with women who are in transition for one reason or another, and it's an emotional roller coaster. It's a difficult time in their life. Do you see their confidence grow through being able to go from, I'm a hot mess in this financial situation to I'm set up. I'm, I now know my direction to go. It's, it's like a, like a financial control. Do you Mm -hmm. see that building their confidence? Do you see that shift? Absolutely. So I see their confidence grow once they get a grip on where they are they understand, okay, this is what I have to work with. Once they have that understanding, even if it's not, even if what they know now is not what they thought, like, oh, I thought I was in a better financial situation, or maybe I, you never know. You, A, a lot of people are genuinely shocked once they're on their own. They're like, oh, this is my new financial life, I guess. Having that awareness, I think, gives people a lot of confidence. And then I think they also get confidence from defining their goals and making the changes that they need to get on the path to achieve those goals. And you can't, you can't do that until you really sit down and think about, okay, what is it that I want to achieve here? What is my goal to pay off this debt? Is my goal to make sure that I'm saving for retirement? Is my goal, you know, to help my kids with college in 10 years or whatever. Once they've identified their goals and they're like, okay, I'm going to start saving this much per month because this is how much I was told I need to save by my financial advisor. And now I'm doing that. And I think that brings people a lot of confidence knowing I am on the path to where I want to be, where Mm -hmm. I want to end up. Like I am taking the action. I think that gives people a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I could see how it can also help them in future decisions, not just financial ones, but there it takes away some of that fear and desperation of being alone, being a single income home. You know, sometimes I see women who make decisions to jump into relationships maybe when they shouldn't or whatever, because they don't have the goal, they don't have the plan and that fe- that causes fear. So yeah. I could see how, like with what we've been talking about, having that confidence in where we are and what our plan is financially could help us not jump into a situation that's going to like go against our goals yeah. or, co- or put us into a bad situation because we're like, nope, I'm solid. I know exactly yeah. what I'm doing and how I'm going to get there. I don't need you. and I don't need yeah. your help for this. You know, do you see that with some of the women that you work with? Um, yeah, I think once they go through the process of getting their finances in order and getting a plan, 
I do think that they feel less, less vulnerable, less dependent, like, oh, you know, I need to find someone else to make me feel like I can, you know, like I, maybe I feel like I need to have another person to, to exist. Like I need, I need another person's financial support and emotional support and whatever other support. I think once, once they know that, okay, I have the financial part down and I'm independent, I think that helps them feel independent in all areas of their life. Mm -hmm. I think having that confidence and that self-worth, once you develop that, I think that prevents you from falling into situations that are maybe not great relationships or not great situations. It's it's like easier to identify red flags. Like, nope, I know what I'm doing. This isn't fitting in with it. I'm just going to keep my blinders on Mm -hmm. and keep moving forward. I agree. And I think there's so much confidence and self, like pride in yourself to be able to say, this is all me. Yep. You know, I have done this. Maybe it's, and sometimes that's making that hard look at your finances, taking that ownership and saying, okay, this is not where I want to be. But as of right now, today, I'm a new person. I'm going to hold myself accountable. And and then, you know, even a week later, two weeks later, six months later, however many years later, when you can see the fruit of what you've done, that's incredibly empowering. And it's okay to be proud of yourself for getting there. Yes. I always tell people that. I'm always like, I know that you don't get to brag about yourself often, especially when it comes to financial stuff, because a lot of people get really annoyed with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I'm with them, I'm like, I am going to celebrate your accomplishments. Like give yourself a pat on the back because look at what you built. You did this. I didn't do this. I I showed you some charts that showed you whatever, but like you were the one who through your good decision-making and your habits and your hard work, you have put yourself in this situation and you should be proud of yourself. Mm -hmm. I love to get clients to see that like, I want them to brag about themselves because I'm like, you did a good job. You did this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny. Isn't it funny how simply changing tone can do that for you? So for example, we grow up hearing, look what you did. Look what you did. And it's a negative thing. And then when you can turn that around, like from what you're saying and see them grow and build this amazing financial base to say, look what you did <laughs> and how that feels. It's the exact same phrase, exact same phrase. It's like when my kids come home from school and hand me their art projects. (laughs) Look what you did. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. I just love that. So one of the things that you're talking about is the process, going through the process. Do you have something that takes people through the process? Yeah. So I have a, a process that I take every client through. And even though it's a set process, it's very, very customized based on the client and their situation. But it's the same steps that we go through every time. And I've been doing it for a long, long time like this, and it's worked really well. And it's I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. But the first step is assessing your goals. And that's just like sitting down and figuring out, okay, what do I want to accomplish and getting really specific about it. So some people are like, Oh, I want to be wealthy, or I want to be in a better financial situation. I'm like, Okay, well, what does that mean? Like, how do you know when you get there? You need to put numbers to it. You need to put dates to it. And that's a, that's a, that's a big step is really thinking hard and, de- and defining what your goals are. And then the next step is figuring out where you stand currently, like we had talked about. So that's just pulling together all of your information, 
all of your assets, all of your debts, all of your estate planning documents, all of the details on your disability insurance and your life insurance, and just getting all of that information, pulling it together so that you have a baseline going forward, but also so that you just know, okay, this is my net worth. This is my income. This is this is where I am. And so then once you know where you are, you can figure out how to get to where you want to go. So after we get organized, then we come up with strategies on how to get you to your goals. And that's something I do most of the work on the back end. And then I come forward with some recommendations and I'll, and I just give people a really specific action plan. So you need to increase your retirement savings to this much per month, and you need to change the investments in your 401k to this because you're too aggressive or whatever. And you really need to get a disability policy in case something happens to you so that you can still, you know, cover your rent or whatever. Like I I come up with just a list of really, really specific recommendations. And then I kind of send the client off to, to start implementing those things, but I support them the whole time. So a lot of times I get on the phone with them, you know, we'll call insurance companies together, we'll call their financial institution together, we'll do things, I help them put these things into place. Um, And then the next step is to kind of check in and see where everything is, see what kind of issues they're having, see what they need help with. And then they have a little bit more time to kind of finish off the last things on the list. And then we get back together and just kind of review everything that they've done. And we celebrate all that they've done and this progress that they made. And then we kind of talk about, okay, what are things going to look like going forward? You know, just making a plan for what they need to, what they need to do to stay on track. So that's, that's the process. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) So how, how long does that process usually take? So I typically take six months to do all that just because people are busy and they don't want to sit down and spend like all day doing stuff. So I help them, you know, I work with whatever schedule or whatever, whatever cadence they want to work on it. But typically it takes about six months to go through all those meetings to, you know, help them mark off those things on their to-do list. So I I think six months is a good amount of time because there's a lot of work involved mm-hmm. in that. It sounds like it's not that huge, but it's a lot. And and I don't want people to feel overwhelmed and I don't want people to feel rushed. So I kind of would break it up into little little bits and spread it out over the six months. I love that because we all know that as moms, life happens mm-hmm. and it's not just <laughs> our life. Like life happens to us and then we work through that. And then before we are even finished with that, life happens to a kid and then the next kid. And uh, so yeah, to be able to have the control to be able to work on it within your own time frame, within your own schedule, oh, that already feels like weight off the shoulders because yeah. you know, there's accountability, there's a deadline, there's a next meeting, but it's not like do all this right now. There's flexibility. And I understand as much as anyone the need for flexibility. I, I'm sick right now. I got my kids <laughs> sick. It's like my schedule it's like a constant juggling act because things unexpected things just happen all the time. So I, I assume that the same thing is going on with my clients because they're, everyone has their, their stuff that comes up. So I build in that flexibility to the plan. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a time when the plan, like what we're talking about with needing flexibility, is there ever a time when something happens, something comes up and the plan needs to change? Yes. So when someone does a financial plan, that's what I call the deliverable that you get at the end of working with me. You have a financial plan. A financial plan is not like a one and done. Okay, I have my financial plan. I'm good forever. Um, a financial plan 
is a, it's a living, breathing document that is changing and adapting to, to your life because your life is changing constantly. And especially if you are someone who's going through a divorce or someone who's lost a spouse, the changes that are happening in your life are dramatic and happening rapid fire one right after the other. And they're, they're probably going to continue to be changing at that rate. We're not building a plan that, oh, now this, none of this applies because you had this change. It's the assumption is here's the plan that we are going to continue to adapt as things happen in your life. And, you know, I encourage people if something major comes up and changes, come back and we'll tweak it. And it's, you know, we already have the base plan built and it's pretty easy to go in and make changes as things happen. Um, And that's, it's intended to be updated continuously Mm -hmm. because life just, life is, life's like that. Mm -hmm. I know, right? (laughs) I'm like, that's what I'm thinking. As soon as I'd have that plan, something huge would shift. But I think what I love about what I'm hearing is the plan itself can be fluid and change. But from what I'm hearing, the practices and habits that you're going to learn along the way and put in place, those don't have to change. Yep. Those stay consistent. Yeah. And, and how beautiful to be like, here's my base. This is how, this is my new way of being. I have up-leveled myself to this new way of financially or financial responsibility, I guess is how I would say it. But then the plan gets to change and grow with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. And I try to, my goal is to set them up so that they don't need me forever. It's not like, oh, you have to come back to me every time something changes because only I can touch the magical spreadsheet. And <laughs> like I, I try to empower them to take what I've given them and know what they need to do with it as they go along and how they need to update it. Like, okay, this number is going to change and this is what this means. And like, I, I try to give them the tools and the information that they need so that they can make those updates themselves and know how to react in certain situations. When something changes, they know what they need to do to stay on track. So my goal is not to create dependence on me. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Because I have I enough that. dependence. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Right. <laughs> well, I have a question. So if numbers and the money stuff has kind of been an interest for you for as long as you can remember almost. Have you ever had like a hot mess money moment? Yeah. I've done a lot of dumb stuff. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here like laundry list of all of mine, you know, and I'm like, oh, there's that time. And then there was that one. And yeah. It's like, no, no. Oh no. I was just born perfect. I, I just was born and I had this you know, I was already saving for my Roth IRA when I was two years old. And <laughs> like, no, I was, I did a lot of really dumb stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, I can tell you some stories. I, I, uh, the, well, the dumbest thing I did is I bought a house when I was 21 or 22, which sounds like, oh my gosh, how impressive, mm-hmm. but it was so, it was so stupid. I did not know. I didn't know what I had no idea how much of a responsibility that was, how much that would actually cost. Like, Buying a house is so much more than just calculating the, what the mortgage payment is. Mm-hmm. There's so much. When you are a homeowner, you're responsible for every dumb little thing in that house that breaks or that malfunctions or whatever. And I just thought like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing the right thing. I'm buying this house and I bought it with my brother. We like bought it together and which was also really dumb. Like <laughs> he's, he's wonderful, but 
buying houses with family, doing anything business related with family members, I think is that can go sideways so quickly. And that, that wasn't, that wasn't the case with us, but that, that was not the smart thing to do to entangle your finances with someone else. I mean, entangling your finances with a spouse is like hard enough to where like, you don't want to just do that. Like, I'm just going to buy a house with someone. Like, why not? Like, I just did so many dumb things with that. And then, um, I bought it right before the market crashed. <laughs> oh no. And then, so I'm a financial advisor and it's 2008 and the mark, you know, the whole world is just melting down. And I have this dumb house that I bought. It was beautiful, but it was like, it was like the ultimate money pit house. And I was just like, we, we couldn't sell it. We couldn't. And it was, what was silly is I still, I still had my job. I could still make the mortgage payments, but I was like, oh, we, we have to let this house go. I mean, we can't just keep putting money into this house. And it was, I just made so many giant mistakes with that. And so we let the house go. I had a foreclosure on my record and I'm a financial advisor. (laughs) So that's not a good thing to have on your record. And I was like 22 or 20, you know, but 24 or whatever by the time this happened. But I had no idea like the long term consequences of that, which what 22 year old would understand the the consequences of that. That's why 22 year olds don't do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have the maturity to even make a decision that's that big. It was, it was just that, that was the biggest hot mess moment of mine. And I, that, that took a lot to overcome that because I am someone, I am a financial professional. I take pride in having sound advice that I give people. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, look at this st- super dumb thing that I did. But um, I think I use that for good. I've taken that rather than just being like, oh, I'm bad with money. Maybe I should get a different job because clearly I'm an idiot. Like I took that and I was like, okay, I learned from that. I'm going to use this going forward to help clients who are in similar situations. Like I will, I will take this thing and make something good out of it. And that's actually really beautiful because to me, if I'm coming to you during this transition, I don't know what's going to happen with my life or maybe I do. And there's been problems to know that I'm coming to someone who's like, I've been there. I'm not going to judge you. Let's just oh, start yeah. with where you are. That is huge. Yeah. I am not going to judge anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the only dumb thing I've done. I can, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we could just spend all day, but I'm like, no, no, no. I like, I meet with people and they're, they feel shameful. Like, oh my gosh, I, I did this thing or I, you know, I didn't save for this or, and they feel so guilty about it. And I'm just like, I'm not here to make you feel bad. We're we're here to work together and find solutions and take action to make progress. I'm not here to like, what were you thinking? You know, like that that's not (laughs) Yeah. And think of all the things that I see. Like you what you may think is, oh my gosh, this is the biggest mistake I've ever made. That's like, oh my gosh, I've seen 10 times worse than that. Like Mm -hmm. nothing phases me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, don't feel, I don't want pe- people to feel embarrassed about exposing their financial self to, to a professional because we've seen it all. It's like going to the doctor. I mean, they, they've seen it all. Mm-hmm. It, this is their job. It's not, they're not thinking, oh my God. It's like, there's very little that can shock you in whichever field you're in. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, Rachel, I have loved this conversation. And honestly, what keeps running through my mind, I had to write it down because I'm like, I want listeners to hear this, but the financial situation that you're in right now isn't where you have to be. And I really feel like that's 
That's just so much of what we've talked about is, especially if you're in that transition, you're in the hot mess place, you're in a mess of a financial situation, that's not where you have to remain. Yeah. And there are people out there like you who can help. So where do they find you if they would like to work with you or ask questions, see where you have information? A good place to start is my website, which is trueworthfp.com. And all over my website, there are buttons where you can you can schedule a free strategy session. And I really encourage people to take advantage of that. You know, I, I love chatting with people. I love helping answering questions. If there's if there's things that I can answer on the fly, I'm totally happy to send people off with some quick tips that I can will send them on their way. Even if it's not a great fit working together, I still will have something, you know, here's some quick tips or here's a referral to someone who can really help you with this or whatever. But I really encourage people to visit my website, check out, you know, how I help people and and book a free strategy session. And I'd, I'd be happy to chat with anyone. Um, and then also I'm on social media. I've gotten a lot more active on social media. So I'm on Instagram, which is at trueworthfp. I'm on LinkedIn, um, which is under my name, Rachel V. Burns. And I'm on Facebook. So I would say that's a great place to get in contact with me as well. I'm always posting stuff. I do like a weekly Instagram live series. I'm just always posting information. So I think that's a great place to to connect with me. That's awesome. Thank you. And I really believe that a lot of times all we need to do to start very first step is to be open, like we mentioned, to change and then start finding and just listening. Even if it's jumping onto Instagram, listening to the information you have, finding wherever we can and start paying attention to what you're talking about, getting to know you as a teacher, taking advantage of that strategy call and really putting energy into changing our financial situation. I love it. Love it. Is there anything else that you want the listeners to know before we wrap up? I think we we covered a lot, but I think my message is if you're feeling overwhelmed, it will not always be as difficult as it is right now. Mm. Really, no matter what you're going through, it will not always feel like this. You will not always be in this situation. This is not a permanent condition. And especially when it comes to the financial stuff, you can absolutely get through this and come out on the other side in a really great position. So I think that's important to to remember if you're feeling kind of hopeless about your situation right now. That's lovely. I love, love that. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Tanya. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I just love what she brought to this podcast. This episode is a gem, and I know that you're going to find a lot of value, especially if you reach out to her. Take that next step. How about you make the decision right now to take control of your finances, change your situation, and really allow yourself to build that freedom that comes with knowing what you're doing with your finances, having them working for you instead of against you, and taking ownership in your life. I know this is going to be beneficial, so make sure you check out her website. Go to trueworthfp.com. We'll have a link in the show notes, but just jump in there right now, binge what she's got, see what she's all about, and make sure you schedule that session with her so that you can have a direction and know where to go next. Because a lot of times that's all that's holding us back is knowing what we want, setting that goal and going for it. So reach out to her and get that help. And 
please do me a favor and share this episode. I know this was valuable to you. I know it can be valuable to the people that you know, love and trust. So share this far and wide, help us get this message out. And I will be back in your downloads next week.